Welcome back to Puckcord. Today's guest is Ignacio Urtaza. Ignacio is a resident representative at the United Nations Development Program, UNDP for short, in Pakistan. He has more than 20 years of experience in development cooperation and humanitarian aid. He has served as a UNDP country director in Egypt and has held various positions in UNDP since 1999, including in New York, Moldova, Sudan, as well as in the occupied Palestinian territories. Before this, he worked with Doctors Without Borders in emergency relief operations in Ecuador, Iran, and Mozambique. Based on all this, it's safe to say that he's extremely well-traveled and brings an incredible amount of experience to his post as resident representative at the UNDP of Pakistan. Ignacio has been living in Pakistan for a number of years. We'll be asking him questions about his experience during his time here, and he'll also give us insight into what UNDP is contributing for the betterment of Pakistan. So here's Ignacio. Excellent, excellent. Well, uh, good evening, good morning. My name is Ignacio Artaza. I was born in uh, in the northern part of Spain, uh, next to the French border. I'm 50 years old. I've been with the United Nations Development Program about 21 years in different countries. I started in the occupied Palestinian territories, then I went to Sudan, then I went to Moldova in Eastern Europe, then I worked worked in headquarters in New York. Then I was country director in Egypt, and now I am heading the UNDP team here in uh, in Pakistan. This is my fourth year in uh, in Islamabad. Uh, before joining the UN, I worked for a medical humanitarian organization called uh, Médecins Sans Frontières, Doctors Without Borders, for about five six years. And uh, and prior to that, I was uh, basically studying. I got my masters in international business, and before that, a bachelor's degree in international relations. Wow, fantastic. Okay. Well, you've been around for sure. I've been around a bit, yes, yes. Yeah, so you said this is your fourth year in Pakistan, right? Yes, I in October I started my fourth year. How do you how do you like it in I I love it. I mean, Pakistan is a, is a very welcoming country. It's actually something that we comment amongst ourselves expatriates, so to speak, uh, when we come to Islamabad, how, what a positive reaction we have because the image that Pakistan portrays uh, internationally differs very much uh, from what one finds when, when when you come to the country mm-hmm. you know it's uh, it's it's not all that bad as unfortunately the, the press or, or, or global affairs portrays Pakistan that's right mm-hmm. uh, particularly Islamabad Islamabad is a very pleasant city to live is you know it's it's very green uh, there's little traffic uh, we have the Margala Hills to go hiking every weekend you can also go cycling I mean there's there's uh, there's lots of uh, it's a it's a very uh, nice city to live in I, I, I love it and in addition to that of course I should not miss the opportunity to talk about Pakistani food which is very rich and, uh, and you know there's quite a bit of variety as well although I'm not too keen on the on the very spicy uh, food, which is mostly in the southern mm-hmm. parts, uh, but no, it's it's uh, it's obviously uh, very rich culturally, very rich from a language point of view, very rich from a geographical diversity point of view. I mean, you know, just the fact that you have the uh, Hindu Kush Karakorum and uh, and Himalayan ranges connecting in northern Pakistan. I mean, it, it's it's just spectacular. It's fascinating, and for someone that comes from a mountain. Yeah, area. Yeah. It's just uh, you know, I, I I admire it. It's admirable. It's it's fantastic. And then and then speaking of that, you mentioned language in between, right? So this is your fourth year. 
Uh, I also understand that you're multilingual, right? So you speak uh, several languages. I believe you speak about uh, four languages. Is that right? Spanish, French, English, and uh, Portuguese? Yes, 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 yes. I mean, I could uh, yeah. claim to speak those uh, relatively fluently, yes. Right, yeah, I can imagine having lived uh, all over the world, you you picked up a few languages. So during this time, have you picked up any Urdu in Pakistan? Bilkul. I mean, uh, you know, not a lot, Thori but, uh, but but enough to say Mera naam Ignacio hai, or Mera taluk Spain se, Pakistan ek dostana mulk hai, or much hai se pyar hai. So, yeah. That, yeah, that's probably as far as it goes. Ah, ni. Achha. Other other than, uh, you know, kiale, tic-tac and the usual greetings. Right. I get by, I get by. No, absolutely. I understand. I mean, you definitely got the pronunciation down, so that's good. <laughs> Well, yeah, so I guess uh, speaking more about uh, the United Nations Development Program, right, UNDP. So you are heading UNDP in Pakistan. So that sounds like a pretty big responsibility. What exactly does your job entail? I mean, what have you been working on, I guess, within Pakistan? Just shed some light on that. Sure. I mean, I could uh, give you a very long answer or a very short answer, but I'll, let me get started. And if you want to know more, please uh, ask me. But basically, sure. my, my, my job is to, to lead the implementation of the UNDP country program in Pakistan, which is a five-year plan that is agreed with the government of Pakistan, because as the UN, we are here at the request of the government. Mm -hmm. And, and in doing so, you know, I have to ensure, I ensure that our, our work leads to impactful and sustainable results. Uh, so, you know, to do that, we, we, we liaise with the government, we liaise with the international partners, civil society organizations and the private sector. Uh, I, I manage my, my teams. We have different teams uh, covering different areas. I have to make sure that UNDP is positioned as a trusted partner of the government and state institutions uh, so that we can, you know, we can do our work. Now, our areas of coverage uh, range from strengthening governance and governance institutions to combating climate change and promoting environmental sustainability, including, you know, biodiversity protection and so on, uh, to community resilience, which basically means the provision of basic infrastructure and services, uh, promote local economic development, uh, skills, training, jobs for youth. Uh, and more recently, uh, we're working also on ecotourism, and then we do quite a bit of research and advocacy on development policy issues uh, that are relevant for Pakistan. Mm -hmm. So that's a bit in a nutshell uh, what UNDP does. And then, of course, lastly, we should not forget that we are one of the agencies of the United Nations among 22 that are operating in Pakistan. Uh, so in this, in this sense, we also contribute to the efforts of the wider UN to make sure that, you know, development happens in Pakistan. Wow, yeah, no, it seems like pretty wide scale, uh, kind of a high impact uh, project within Pakistan. So tell us a little bit more about, I guess, moving forward, uh, you know, kind of diving a little bit further. So one of UNDP's output is uh, this human development report. Right. And has, has this been published already, by the way? So there's the Human Development Report, which is the global report. Uh, it was released uh -huh. in uh, December of last year. But then there is the National Human Development Reports that UNDP produces in the countries where it works. And I guess you're asking me about the latter. Yeah, yeah. A quick clarification here. UNDP has a signature publication called the Global Human Development Report, or HDR. And the last one that was published was in December 2019 on inequality. Besides this, 
UNDP also has national human development reports which are specific to the country in which they are published. So for example, there's national human development reports or NHDRs within Pakistan as well. And the last one that was published was in 2018 and the theme of that report was youth. The next NHDR or national human development report for Pakistan specifically is coming out in spring 2020 and it will be based around inequality within Pakistan. You can get access to this information via UNDP's websites. hdr.undp.org is the global website and the Pakistani website is pk.undp.org. So NHDRs or National Human Development Reports are of course uh, you know, something for which UNDP is, is very much known. It, it combines research, statistical analysis, policy recommendations to basically propose uh, themes for advancing human development. Now, the, we're working now on a report on inequality in Pakistan, and we can talk about that a bit mm. more later, which will be released in the in the in this year, uh, the first half of this year. But let me just give you a little bit more of information about the human development reports and the national human development reports. We focus on human development because it is a way to measure a country's success without relying solely on economic indicators. Typically, we measure how well a country is doing or how developed it is based on you know, GNP per capita. But that leaves out many dimensions that are essential to actually better grasp how well the country is doing or how, or how well people in that country live. So basically, our human development reports go beyond income and put people at the mm. center of these reports. So we want to know about their well-being, their access to opportunities, uh, their, their, their experiences in life. Uh, all of this is, is, is captured in what we call a, the Human Development Index, which ranks regions according to their well-being rather than their incomes. So it's a more, how would I say, it's a, it's a more humanistic approach, uh, if, if you will. More holistic, yeah. Yeah, and, and perhaps uh, your Pakistani listeners uh, might be interested to know that the idea of this Human Development Index which is now used all over the world, and especially by UNDP uh, globally, was actually devised by a Pakistani economist, uh, Dr. Mahbubul Haq. So, so of course, it's, it's for us serving here in Pakistan, this is uh, obviously a matter of pride that uh, it was a Pakistani economist who developed this notion. And, and therefore, you know, it is wonderful for us to be able to produce this report in the home of the man who played such a crucial role in, in developing this uh, methodology that is used now globally uh, in the world. So that's pretty fascinating. Uh, I wanted to ask more about these themes. I understand that uh, these human development reports, a national human development report, combines the idea of human development with a theme. Right. And the theme in this last report was youth. Right. So what does that mean? What is this report about? You're asking me about the report on youth, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. So that was the one released a couple of years ago. Um, so as I mentioned there earlier, you know, Traditionally, the development discourse has been dominated by income level analysis of inequality. But, mm -hmm. and I'm linking the youth report with the upcoming one on inequality, but, but we just need to frame it to understand that inequality is as much a product, product of poor access to services, social connections, freedom of religion, peace and security, uh, and it is a product of poverty and lack of resources. And this is why a report takes a multidimensional look at inequality. Now, honing on the subject of, of youth, because it's important to understand our, our report on youth within this perspective of, of inequalities. There are 22.8 million children out of school in Pakistan. Mm -hmm. 
What does this mean for the future of these children and for the future of the country? More than half of these uh, out-of-school children are girls. So, you know, will this worsen gender inequality at a time where we're all working towards reducing this inequality? How do we fix that? So these are the kind of questions that we want to answer in, uh, in the report. Um, the youth report, you know, basically tells us that for, for, for uh, the, the future of the country, which is 60% uh, of its population, which is below the age of 30, mm -hmm. it is imperative to invest in these people now, today, because if not, we will have a lost generation of sorts that uh, with a you know, with the rapid population growth that Pakistan has, is going to miss the opportunity to capitalize, capitalize on this youth bulge. Mm -hmm. So basically, what we do with the Human Development Report on Youth, there's some uh, policy recommendations there. We're happy to see that the current government has taken some of these recommendations to invest in youth by launching the Kamiab Jawan program, which has three main areas of focus. One is on engaging youth promoting youth participation in civic, economic, political spheres. Two is on education and skills development to enable youth to be able to contribute positively to, to, you know, to society. And third is employment. Mm -hmm. Young people mm -hmm. need jobs or need those opportunities that will enable to be entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. With the current population growth, uh, Pakistan needs to create about a million and a half new jobs per year. So unless we invest very much in this young generation, the risk is that we, um, you know, we, we miss the opportunity to capitalize on this uh, tremendous asset that constitutes the, the, the Pakistani youth. Because I have, as I have experienced uh, myself, uh, since we work a lot with youth, uh, this is such a precious commodity, so to speak, that Pakistan has. You, Pakistani youth are super dynamic, super energetic, super willing to do things and to contribute. But Unless, you know, the enabling environment, the opportunities are provided, uh, it's not very easy for, for them to access, whether it's uh, capital, whether it's, uh, um, you know, cultural facilities, sports facilities, for them to engage in other activities, uh, education, and so on. So, so this, is, this is what, hmm. uh, what the report points out and what we aim to do with these reports is that then the policymakers, decision makers, take it to the next level and, you know, put in practice those policies that would address these issues. I see, I see. This might seem like a kind of a strange question, but I think it's important to call out. Why do you think the issue of inequality is important for Pakistanis today? I mean, I think it's essential because there's an urgent, first of all, there is an urgent need to understand the contours of inequality in Pakistan today. And I'm speaking also uh, not just among academics, but, among, but amongst, you know, decision makers and, and people with the with, uh, Mm -hmm. who can influence uh, things, including young people themselves. Um, Oxfam's 2018 Commitment to Reducing Inequality Index has ranked Pakistan 137 out of 157 countries. So basically, you know, it exposes the huge inequalities in the region. As an example, 1% uh, of farmers in Pakistan own 22% of all farmland in the country. So this is larger than all of Denmark. Wow. For a country that is so dependent on agriculture, you can clearly see that this represents a huge inequality where 1% only own 22% of the land. So these kind of things need to be addressed. And this data, by, by, by dissecting the data and by looking at it from an inequality perspective, allows us to see what's, what, what is below the surface and then 
come up with the right policies to make sure that the society grows more at par uh, without exacerbating those uh, inequalities which could be among regions, could be among generations, could be amongst the uh, you know, uh, genders. So there's different ways of, of looking at inequality. But all of those need to be taken into account to make sure that the various parts of the country, the various segments of, of Pakistani society are able to benefit from, from development in the same way. The second reason that the National Human Development Report focuses on inequality is that although income inequality is uh, frequently mentioned uh, in Pakistan, work on inequality of opportunity between groups of people, and especially work analyzing the two types of inequality in tandem, is, is actually rather scarce. I mean, the report in this sense aims to create linkages between the two and how they both feed into each other. Uh, so, in, in essence, you know, the report provides the factual data and analysis that policymakers would require to adjust, adopt policies so that uh, state resources and state efforts and then those of the private sector, of course, as well, through, through partnerships, are better directed and geared to make sure that development, you know, happens across the, the, the board and not just benefiting certain regions or segments. Right, right. Yeah, that sounds good. So this um, NHDR, National Human Development Report, is one on inequality. And I'm sure there's a few other reports on inequality as well, right? What makes this one different from, from the other reports? Okay, the, the way NHDRs are written are not just done by some academics or, or experts or consultants in a dark room after thinking about it for, for, for you know, many days at length and so on. Uh, NHDRs are designed through community-led uh, efforts or, or engaging uh, uh, people at the grassroots level to really understand what their views are, what their perspectives are, what, what their concerns are, how they live. So basically, you know, it allows us to, to reflect in the report, uh, what Pakistanis really think. So it's a report written by Pakistanis for Pakistanis <laughs> uh, about the life experiences of Pakistanis uh, at, at, at various levels of society, in remote areas, in urban areas, poor Pakistanis, uh, more affluent Pakistanis, and so on. And this is very important for us because we, unless we have this holistic understanding of how every Pakistani feels about living in Pakistan. With, you know, the report it could be like any other report, but, but this is what the NHDR does. It's just capturing this um, uh, inequality uh, by consulting, by talking to a very wide range of, of people. So for the new report that we are working on now, which is actually on inequality, we were, we're working on this by reaching out to people who actually experience inequality on a day-to-day day-to-day basis, mm -hmm. so we've had uh, what we call uh, focus group discussions. So basically, meetings talking to to to, to people with marginalized communities all over Pakistan, mm -hmm. with uh, with uh, women who are working on marginalized jobs, with the transgender community, with refugees, with persons with disabilities, with farmers, youth, and and many more. Those that you know one could consider that are at a disadvantage uh, situation. Right. Um, so basically, this so this is what makes the report obviously more richer, 
more consultative and uh, therefore resulting in policy recommendations that are not just from or by technical experts, but from the people who live these inequalities every day uh, in their own lives. Hmm. So for these uh, focus groups, by the way, where, where, where are these people being found from? How are you finding volunteers for the focus groups? Well, we, we you know, through the, our ongoing work, we already work with uh, or have connections or access to many of these communities. So we, we you know, we, we, it's not difficult for us to reach out to them. But if, if that were the case, right. you know, we do work with uh, other uh, UN organizations or civil society organizations or even to, with local administration to have access to those people that we want to talk to. So this is not necessarily uh, an issue. I mean, we have very good collaboration from all that uh, are consulted in, in this process. Yeah, sounds good. And then, so Ignacio, what would you say UNDP is hoping to achieve from this report? You might have covered it already, but at a high level, what, what is the, uh, the end goal? So we don't see this as a usual report that, uh, I'm sorry to use this example, but, or, or, or just, you know, we often tend to say that, you know, many reports are great, but they end up being shelved and, uh, you know, just perhaps the academics or the researchers read them. That's not at all the purpose of, of the National Human Development Reports. Mm -hmm. What sets the NHDR apart is that we see this primarily as a policy advocacy tool. So uh, while, while we do want students, academics, researchers, and the media to make use of the highlights from the report, we also want to ensure that these reports, uh, this report acts as a useful framework for policymakers mm -hmm. so, so that it can put us on the path to, to making the right decisions for the future of the country. So basically, just like we did with the previous Human Development Report on Youth, we will engage and we do engage with uh, various political parties. We engage with uh, people that are in a position of... Uh, you know, opinion leaders, as I would like to, as I as I describe them, uh, people in a position of influence, uh, government, and so on, so that they are sensitized about the issue, the findings of the report, and they see the, they understand the need to act upon them. So it's 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 in a way, it's a report that uh, that is a stepping stone towards action. Uh, it's an actionable report in that sense. Now, other other aims of the report are are more how can I say more human centric. Uh, we would want pa Pakistanis to read the accounts of the country's most uh, most marginalized communities, and put themselves in their place. You know, in this way, we hope that the report can create a, a more of a culture of empathy amongst people in Pakistan, uh, uh, allowing people to see each other as, as as humans living in the same country as you as equals. And this cultural change would be huge, hugely helpful uh, to the country mm -hmm. and could even you know, lead to structural change in the future. But ideally, we show the evidence. This is what Pakistan looks like from a multidimensional poverty perspective, not just looking at income, but looking at you know, other aspects like education, health, living conditions, and so on. Uh, so what do we need to do? What do what does government, what the, what the policymakers, what the political parties need to advocate for to make sure that development investments benefit and uh, those that are lagging behind are be able to be brought forward? Great. Okay. So once again, uh, Ignacio, I want to uh, go back and talk about those uh, focus group consultations, right? Which uh, your team is conducting 
Do you have a few stories to share from these consultations that can illustrate how extreme the inequality is in Pakistan right now? Sure, sure, sure. Uh, I mean, we heard a lot of difficult stories from these consultations. It's, uh, I mean, it's amazing to see what what the courage that people have uh, to go on their daily lives with with the you know situation they situation they experience. But as an example, um, we spoke with bonded laborers from Sindh who lived in terrible conditions. Uh, these are essentially, you know, modern day slaves. Uh, people who have been bound to indentured service because of loans their parents or grandparents took uh, ages ago, uh, and loans that are as little as 600 rupees, but, you know, they, they, they don't have the ability to pay back. So we asked them what kind of food they ate regularly, and they told us that basically they grind up chilies, boil them in water, and drink that for, for you know, as food, because they cannot afford proper food. So, I mean, just imagine that. Mm. This, is, this is terrible. It's it's yeah. uh, you know so there's people like this in in Pakistan nowadays that we don't know about generally the public doesn't know about but yeah so this is one example then let me mention another example with the transgender community uh, a transgender woman from Balochistan told us how the bus conductors charged her 1.5 times more uh, the bus fare uh, yeah. and and how of course you know in the process they would abuse and ridicule her in front of the other passengers you know whenever she would get on the bus to the point that uh, basically now she avoids taking public transport altogether and, and prefers to stay mm -hmm. in her house. So she is essentially barred from participation in public life because of how people treat her. So, you know, all, all of these stories are at the end of the day about discrimination. There's also stigma. There's uh, power differentials about the society not treating others as human beings. Uh, I mean, in essence, about inequality. And I would say, not only as a country, but just as as fellow humans, uh, you know, we cannot allow this to to continue happening. So, again, this is one of the purposes of the report: is to highlight these things that people don't know about or they are not interested to hear about. But we hope that by by putting them in front of them, we would react uh, by you know having a more human approach mm -hmm. and uh, help our fellow citizens to to just uh, you know improve their dismal uh, living conditions yeah absolutely so um, i think this would be a good closing question uh, this will be the last question what is something that the public can do what do you think the public can do to alleviate this inequality in pakistan yeah well good good question I mean, I think that, first of all, we need to realize that inequality affects so many of us because there's many ways to, to look at inequality, uh, whether it's, you know, our gender, income levels, our access to public services, our access to recreational services, which is a big issue in Pakistan as well. Uh, there are many things that we can do to alleviate this inequality. So, I mean, just to go back to our focus group discussions, but the first thing that we noticed was that people, especially women and youth, were just not exercising their right to vote. They were not voting. And this meant that they were completely removed from political participation and therefore unable to uh, mold or shape uh, Pakistan into the country they want to live in. So mm -hmm. my first advice in this regard is, is just go vote. We may like or not the democratic system. It has its uh, good things. Uh, it has its imperfections, but it's the system we have. And, and it's a way for everyone to 
express or to, to try to, yes, shape the country uh, they want. Secondly, and, and perhaps this is more on a personal note and, and uh, you know, irrespective of the report, this is something that I would tell anyone. It's just be kind to the people who are different from you. Uh, we are not better than, than, than others just because you have less or you see yourself different. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's a transgender woman trying to support her family or a person with a disability who is asking to be treated the same as, as everyone else, you know, who am I to, to, to feel more important or, or more powerful or, or, or you know, than them? Uh, so, so in this regard, I would ask people to recognize their privilege, to recognize their blessings and to help others who are not so fortunate. Mm-hmm. You know, equality at the end of the day will only become the norm. Uh, once we start treating everyone like we would want to be treated. So uh, I would also say at the end of the day, irrespective also of, of one's religion and so on, but, you know, God made us all the way we are. At the end of the day, it's the same energy that uh, energy spark that we all have within us, whether we have we are born with a physical disability or with any other uh, feature that is considered to be uh, uh, differentiating from others, we in in essence we come from the same uh, source, and, and and we should see ourselves as that same uh, life or energy spark, and we should be helping each other uh, because by helping others we are helping ourselves. So uh, just to summarize, I mean you know go vote, be kind. Uh, this is the basis for for a more humane, democratic, and uh, and equal society. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Okay. Great. Well, I hope uh, I hope the the listeners uh, find it interesting and uh, uh, at your service. Uh, if you 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 know, whenever you wish to have more information or know more about what we do, uh, yeah. we'd be we'd be more than happy to to talk to you and uh, and your listeners. Yeah, yeah. No, fantastic. Thanks for doing this and thank you for uh, sharing this information. And I'm glad you're enjoying your time in Pakistan too. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad this was fulfilling for you. Yeah. Absolutely. I appreciate it. No, really. Thank you very much. It has been also very, very useful for me. Thank you. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. The next great milestone for the United Nations Development Program in Pakistan will be the upcoming National Human Development Report centered around inequality, expected to be released in spring of 2020. The Global Human Development Report, which has already been released as of December 2019, on inequality can be found on UNDP's global website, hdr.undp.org. Keep an eye on the UNDP Pakistani portal for the upcoming release at pk.undp.org. Hope you enjoyed this episode with Ignacio. We will see you next time.